Good evening. Let's carry on reading Mark together. So tonight is Mark chapter 7, and that can be found on page 1010 um, in your church Bibles in front of you. So Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who'd come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. <coughs> so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and you are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is devoted to God, then you are no longer to let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he'd left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, Envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. 
Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Thank you, Katie. Well, you can tell me how it matches the creed later, but um, there you go. Um, I don't know if it's a sign of um, maturity, uh, or guilt, or just being a parent, that when you start to Google things like, how do you get biro off a sofa? Um, or, um, or, or kind of that sense of thinking, you know, what's the best way to get lime scale off a shower head? All those exciting Googling topics. Um, and actually, as an aside, the, the things which I kind of appreciate the most are the, when you get the chemicals that say, make sure you do it in a well-ventilated room. You know, the ones that are going to make you pass out uh, if they're going to not be ventilated, the best ones I've always enjoyed using. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's a complete aside. Um, why do I mention that? Well, there is that sense of cleaning and uh, cleaning things uh, and wanting to clean things. Um, but what about sort of cleaning ourselves? And I don't mean, you know, make sure you shower every day, although quite a good thing to do. Um, but I mean, rather, instead of that sort of external cleansing... How do we clean ourselves from just that sense that things aren't right? How do we clean ourselves from that, the, the, the feeling that, that, that we get that, that actually there's something inside of us that doesn't quite match up to what we would hope it would be? And we're conditioned through our, our whole life to, to do it yourself. You go to school, you are what you can achieve. You go to work, you have to kind of get your output. In life, it's just that big, huge cultural conditioning that we have that says, you know, you've got to do it. What you put in, you get out. Make a mistake, you've got to put it right. So when we think of that about ourselves... Do we have the capacity to make our stained souls whiter than white? Well, let's have a look and pray as we begin. Father, we thank you for this uh, bit of your word. We thank you for the ongoing story of Mark's gospel. And we pray this evening as we look at this chapter seven, uh, that you, by your spirit, will help us not simply to understand the passage and understand what's going on, but, but feel it, and that you ourselves would take to help us to see our need and to see you as our saviour. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this first part of the passage is really uh, centred a lot uh, around uh, food laws, and food laws were there to, to help people 
they were there to, to help people to, to remember as an as a aid memoir that you can't just walk up to God. That, that in and of yourself, uh, you need to try to, to sort of make, you've got to be acceptable before God when you come to him. Uh, and so by eating the, so rather, if you don't, uh, if you eat foods that aren't clean, then you can't go into the temple, which is why you make the effort to make sure that you're going to be eating the right things, not being unclean, so that you can come uh, before God. And it's helpful. It's a helpful picture uh, to remember. It's helpful to remember that actually it's just ingraining into the system to say, we're stained. We're people that just make mistakes. We're people that in and of ourselves can't just walk up to God. It might be that you think that's a bit of an outdated approach. Well, that's what they you know, believed back then, but we know better now. But if that's the case, why is there so much that sort of underlying sense in our culture that, that there's the shame and guilt? Why is it that we have that sense that we, we need to do better ourselves? If we're already okay, what, why do we need to do that? Actually, I think that if we're honest, all of us have that sense that perhaps we're not quite as white as we think we are. If we're honest, there are parts actually where we recognise that, that perhaps our sides, insides are stained in that way. And that's the claim of the Bible, that we're stained. So what, what's the big problem that, that Jesus has here? Well, it, he recognises that the, the Pharisees recognise that they have this problem, but, but they think actually their problem is out there. Their problem is that the things they do and the, the places they go, so if they stop that, they'll be okay. Effectively, what they're saying is, well, look, we can do it ourselves. We can clean ourselves from the outside in. If we just completely cut off uh, all of the, the, the different places we shouldn't go, then we'll be okay. We'll sort it. And so that when they see Jesus' disciples not doing that, they're shocked. They're like, what are you doing? Don't you care about your spiritual state? And Jesus, just in reply, he, he doesn't uh, apologize Oh, no, no, so I, no, I'm sorry, they, they, you know, don't listen to them. They, they'll do it later. He doesn't deflect and go, oh, let's just look over here. No, he, he just in one flute swoop just puts his finger straight on the problem, verse 6. He said, as I was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it, as it is written, uh, these people on me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Uh, they worship me in vain. Their, their teachers are, are merely human tradition. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. They're clinging on to these rules that aren't part of God's law. They're not part of God's word. They're just passed down wisdom. And he gives an example in verses 9 to 13. He says, look, God's word says that you've got to honor your father and mother. That's what you've got to do. But, but you tell them that if people who are 
you know, don't have to honour their father or mother. In other words, they don't have to support them because you know, oh, this, this gift that I was going to give is devoted to God. So something they're meant to do anyway means they can negate part of God's command, part of his word. He says, that's just hypocrisy. <laughs> you think that actually that you care about God's word, but you don't. You're just a hypocrite. And then he just bluntly says, verse 15, nothing outside a person could defile them by going into them. Rather, it what comes out of a person defiles them. He says, look, it's, it's not about anything of those externals. It's what's inside, which is why you, you, you've done that silly rule with Corbett. It's what's coming out of you. But even his disciples don't really get it. And, and he just unpacks that in verses 18 to 23, just giving that sort of uh, detailed explanation. He says, are you so dull, verse 18? Don't you see that nothing enters a person from the outside can defile them? But it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, then out of their body. Jesus is just laying on, layer after layer, saying, don't think that this external thing is the problem. It's inside. It's in your heart. So what does that really mean? Well, the Pharisees thought their stain came from what they did and where they went. But, but Jesus said, well, that's ridiculous. You know, food goes into the mouth, through the stomach, and out again. How on earth is that going to make a difference? It's not. It's ludicrous. And we read that, and we probably laugh at them. Okay? They are so silly. I mean, it is utterly ridiculous to think that eating or not eating a certain food is going to make God like, feel any different about you. I mean, it is ridiculous. How can something out there change in here? It can't. That's silly. So why do I think that giving money does? Why do I think that being good does. We laugh at the Pharisees and say, look, they're so silly. They think that stuff out there can change their hearts. But we do the same. We just use different things. It may be that actually that some uh, try to use religion. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, people who go to church every week, uh, who, who pray, who, who give money, but do that solely for the benefit of trying to clean themselves. God must be pleased with me because I come through those doors every week. God must be pleased with me because I got up at half seven to come to the Alpha prayer meeting. Other people may try to say it's 
politics. And by that, what I mean is saying, well, no, the problems in our world can be solved if we change the social structures. We, we do better social care. We, we, we progress. We move forward. And then we'll be able to solve ourselves. But again, it doesn't take many governments to realize that every government has problems. It may be that we just try and do it by being good, by saying, actually, I'm going to work really hard uh, to, to better myself, to, to not do this and to do that. And that will kind of uh, be able to clean that stain. It doesn't work. We could go on and on, couldn't we? But fundamentally, any system that says, because I do this, God, you think this. Because I come to church, because I come to KO, because I uh, read my Bible. It doesn't work. Uh, the word for it is, is legalism. That sense of saying that, that actually that, that following these certain sets of rules and commands uh, brings me into God's kingdom. So what does... Well, this is where we get this little comment in verse 19, end of verse 19. And now, uh, John does a lot, in John's gospel, he does a lot of these little author's comments. He says, oh, da-da-da-da. Mark does basically none. So when he does, it's really worth listening to them. So end of 19, well, let's do actually the whole of 19, uh, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body, Little author's comment from Mark. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Uh, what Jesus isn't doing at this point is saying, you know those food laws that we have? Just forget them now. They're, they're outdated. They're old. They're no good. We can move on. We can progress onto other things. He's not saying that. I mean, Jesus has just had a go at the Pharisees saying, you don't care about God's word. He's not going to do the same thing. So what does he mean by that? Well, really he's saying, I am the fulfillment of them. In saying this, Jesus declared, I am the fulfillment of these food laws. In other words, I'm the fulfillment of that need to be made right. The food laws that were given as an aid memoir to help you understand that you need to be clean to come before God. Well, actually, I'm the way you're going to do that. I'm the way that you will be made clean. I'm the, the only way. The only truth and the only life. When we said the creed before, uh, we said all sorts of things about Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ. Did you say the line that said, I promise to do my very best? It's not there. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. So this evening, you can jump off that treadmill that says, I'm going to just, just keep going so I can finish so that Jesus will accept me. Just to help you think about it, to identify when we might be jumping on in the first place, is how do you feel when you succeed? Ooh. 
how do you feel in that way? And when I succeed, I don't mean just being kind of feeling, oh, I worked hard, it's really good, but, but, but how do you think God feels about you in those moments? But often actually more telling is how do you feel when you fail? Uh, when I um, worked for UCCF, working with Christian unions, I'd been the job for about 18 months, and, and after about 18 months, I felt awful. And the reason I felt awful is because actually things weren't going very well. And as I reflected back, I basically thought things aren't going very well because I'm not very good. And it was just a huge kick to me to say, actually, I think I'm trying to do this entirely in my own ability, which is why I feel terrible, because it's not working. You know, if it's going well, you're like, oh, it's all the Lord's strength. It's me, really. But if it's going badly, that's when you're kind of forced to own up. That was a really significant moment for me. But I still need them. But what about you? How do you feel when you succeed? How do you feel when you fail? Uh, and it's going to come down to this question, which is moving to the next part of the passage. When we come with that honesty, how do we think, honestly, Jesus will respond to us? Well, let's have a look uh, down at the next uh, bit. Uh, this is the, the first story of, of Jesus and the Syro-Phoenician uh, woman. Uh, she has no credentials to come to Jesus. Uh, she's a Gentile, uh, she's a pagan, uh, she's a woman. Uh, she has nothing going for her. But she's also a parent. And so nothing is going to stop her getting to Jesus because something is wrong with her child. And she comes to Jesus and she, she, she begs Jesus to, to, to come to, to heal her sick little daughter who's possessed by the impure spirit. Verse 25, she, she falls at his feet. And then Jesus says, verse 27, first let the children eat all they want. He told her, for it's not right to take the children's food, children's bread, and toss it uh, to dogs. I mean, it sounds pretty insulting to us, and we're a society that loves dogs. I mean, in a society that, that really thought dogs you know, lived outside and were kind of like the real lowest of the low, it's even worse. But actually, the, the word Jesus used for dogs is actually more like puppy. He's talking about a pet. It's not a derogatory term. It's that sense of just being, uh, there being an order. Jesus has come, he says, for the Jews. That's the, the children. Those are the ones to come first. But her response to that is staggering. Verse 28. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She doesn't go, how dare you call me a dog? What are you doing, Jesus? No, she, she actually understands that there is this order. She has a humility to say, I know that I have no right to come before you. But I'm not appealing about who I am. I'm appealing about who you are. In your goodness, will you please, Lord, have mercy? Because even the dogs get the crumbs under the table. 
And of course, it's this passage that we get that famous prayer that we say at each communion. I don't know if you can read it on the screens, but the prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to your, this te- your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. We have no right to come to your table, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. So on the basis of who you are, Lord, we come, not who we are. Will Jesus reject us and we come in our failure? No. But more than that, actually, we have the second story of the the deaf mute. Often Jesus uh, performs miracles by just saying, doesn't he? He says, like, be healed, and then they're healed. He doesn't need to kind of do some elaborate signs to kind of make things happen. So why does he do that here? Well, actually, he's being kind to this man. He can't hear anything. So, So he takes him aside so he knows that it's just him and Jesus going on. He, he uses signs effectively to communicate, look, there's your ears. The problem is in your ears. And then he, uh, he spits that the problem's in your mouth. He, he, he looks up to God, almost saying, look, I'm going to unblock you. Actually, it's God going to be the one doing it. And then he does. He steps into this man's world, he takes him as he is, and heals him where he is. And then verse 37, people were overwhelmed with amazement and says, he does everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. All he does is good. So why, if we've got a saviour who steps into our world, why bother trying to clean our stain with muddy water when Jesus has come to do it for us? He knows we have no right. We have no right. We have no standing. But yet he draws near, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. The son of God, the child at the table who leaves the table to become a dog so we can eat at his table. Who loosens our tongues so we can sing his praise. What can we do? Nothing. You'll just get burnt out trying to finish it because Jesus has finished it for you. As we close, I'm going to uh, read a poem. It's a hymn by Edward Proctor uh, called It Is Finished. And we'll use this as a, a way of reflection upon the work of Jesus. Nothing either great or small, nothing sinner no. Jesus died and paid all long, long ago. When he from his lofty throne stooped to do and die, 
everything was fully done, hearken to his cry. Weary working, burdened one, wherefore toil you so? Cease your doing, all was done long, long ago. Cast your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him, in him alone, gloriously complete. It is finished. Yes, indeed, finished every jot. Sinner, this is all you need. Tell me, is it not? Father, thank you that you finish the work, that we do not have to toil to try to clean ourselves out when you came to clean ourselves in, to make us your own. Forgive us when we try to do that. Forgive us when we think it's on us. Forgive us when we think you will not accept us unless we wash ourselves first. Father, may we to your cross we cling and to say it is finished to say this is all I need in Jesus name